Hi, thanks for tuning in to the DIY Recording Equipment Podcast. Today we're talking about something a little different, which is DIY synthesizers. Um, synths are something that I've been curious about for a long time, and I know that a lot of the there's a lot of overlap with the pro audio community and the synth community. Um, and I know that there's also a vibrant DIY synth scene. So I thought I'd talk to an expert in that field today just to get a vibe for what the waters are like in the DIY synth community. Today I'm talking with Abby Echeverry. Abby's done just a ton of stuff with audio and DIY. She's a performer, composer, DJ. Um, She's toured as a tech. Uh, She toured as a tech with James Murphy's Despaccio Sound System, which is a 50,000 watt all tube monstrosity that you absolutely need to Google if you've never heard of it before. Um, She's an audio equipment designer. Uh, In fact, she helps us out with circuit board and circuit design sometimes. Um, She used to be head of audio at the Output Club. She ran a synthesizer fair called the Control Voltage Fair for a couple years. And when I caught up with her, she was touring in Europe as the synth tech for Soulwax's current tour, uh, making sure there are dozens of analog synths were running as they should be every night. So Abby was just the perfect person to talk to about this, and I was super glad to have her. Here we go. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. So where are you right now? I'm actually in uh, Belgium right now. <laughs> Holy shit. What time yeah. is it? Uh, it's midnight now, but it, it was perfect because we had like a super long day over here. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks again for uh, jumping on this call. And let's start by, tell me a bit about how you got into analog synths. Uh, I guess I met my first synthesizer in college um, where I was studying recording. I um, am a classically trained violinist and pianist and flautist, and I just had never touched synthesizer until um, music studying music technology at NYU. And there I met a Buchla uh, 200, which was just an insane synthesizer to play with. So do you, you compose for synth still and, and perform? Yeah, mostly, um, I guess all of my music is composed on synthesizers and uh, machinery. Um, there's some acoustic elements to it, but it's pretty much all synthesis nowadays. Cool. So when did you start actually going inside the synthesizers or pulling them apart or doing stuff with the circuitry? Uh, I guess my my bandmate, when I was... First in a band was uh, into doing modifications on all of his synthesizers, and that's the first time I uh, th- all the possibilities were opened up to me that you could do something like add individual triggers to synthesizer or drum machine or individual outputs or um, any kind of modification like that. And yeah, I just like kind of watched him do it and started doing it to my own stuff. In the time that you've been involved with synths and hacking them and stuff, um, have you seen the the DIY synth scene growing? Is it is it a flourishing thing? Yeah, it's definitely a growing thing. Um, you could just notice that some really big companies like Moog and Korg have put out kits in the past few years, and I don't think they've ever really released any kits. Um, 
Specifically, I'm talking about the MS-20 and the, uh, the Verkstadt, or Workstadt, however you'd like to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's definitely showing that it's, it's being picked up in the more commercial realm um, that um, consumers want to experiment with actually building their own things. I mean, that's crazy. That would be like Rupert Neve or mm-hmm. a- API releasing, actually releasing kits for their stuff. That's wild. Yeah. Um, there's an, actually an MS-20 kit. Yeah, they sell a kit, which I've been meaning to put together. And Korg also um, has this other company called Little Bits, which mm-hmm. is another really good... Um, it's a really good source for learning about the architecture of synthesis because you just have each section of a synthesizer and you just literally snap them together. So uh, that's something that I recommend to a lot of people, a lot of younger people, and also just like people who are like totally starting out in audio. Yeah, those are those are amazing. Mm-hmm. I saw those at a trade show. Where they, you don't even have to solder or anything, and but definitely, it seemed to me more of like an educational tool than something you would perform with. Right. Can you give us a little bit of a, an overview of the DIY synth world? I mean, I know it's pretty huge, but for somebody, I'd say somebody like me who's interested in synths, doesn't know a whole lot about it, but would like to have some hardware synths in the studio, um, where can I start and kind of what can I expect in terms of a learning curve and, and that kind of thing? Um, it depends on what kind of format you're interested in. Uh, the Eurorack format is definitely the most accessible thing right now because of price point. Um, so people are starting to put together these big systems using the Eurorack platform, which, um, allows you to buy one section of a synthesizer at a time. And, uh, there's so many kits available for that format. But if you wanted to do something else, um, like a desktop kind of synthesizer, there's a ton of websites out there. Um, I think the most notable, uh, the the most uh, popular one is definitely Music from Outer Space, which was run by an engineer named Ray Wilson. And that was kind of the only thing going for a long time in terms of uh, a well-documented DIY website that taught you how to do every single part of a synthesizer from the VCOs to the envelopes. So it seems like I'm just looking at music from outer space right now. Uh And and it seems like it's, um, it's kind of like the, a lot of pedal DIY I see where it's like you get the PCB and then, and then you need to kind of source your own parts and figure out an enclosure and stuff. Yeah. So I would say that's definitely more advanced, but, um, when I was uh, about like 10 years ago, that was almost the only thing out there. Aside from, mm-hmm. you know, Pi Electronics is a- another classic company that's been around since the 50s. But um, yeah, a, a lot of people were going to music from outer space for their kits. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it's uh, it's so much easier to just like buy full kits with the parts. So and there's a ton of forums too where uh you can go to for any troubleshooting or um just just advice a lot of people go to muffwiggler uh kind of terribly named forum but super helpful honestly it's it's got so much information and people 
all around the world will just like respond to to any of your questions right away. So yeah, there's there's a big internet um, a big internet world for helping you get started. So looping back to Eurorack, I mean, in the pro audio world, the 500 series has been so huge for DIY because you know you could build your own rack mount stuff, but it's just so much easier to have the power supply and chassis taken care of. So it seems like Eurorack is a similar kind of situation for synths. So when modular synthesizers were uh, started out, there were a lot of different formats, and that's just um, the chassis that they would fit into. There was Frack Rack, um, Bukla had their own system, Modem had their own system, and, uh, and Dopefer created one that really stuck called Eurorack. So once that caught on, a lot of the companies just started making synthesizers in the same standard because I don't think anyone really wanted to create their own chassis. And it was just easier to just make synthesizers with the front panel and, um, and the synthesizer module. So Framework really caught on and in the past 10 years has, now that PCBs are super easy to print and make and front panels are easy and components are easy to get online. It's really blossomed like crazy. So let's say that I wanted to get started with a, like a humble modular so I could just make, you know, a, a cool kind of mono synth to have at the studio for when I wanted something, um, some analog synthesis. How, how complex do I need to go? What kind of budget do you think I need to have? And is that even like a a realistic goal for somebody to to build a simple synth from end to end by myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely realistic. Um, I mean, it does take some patience to be able to do the more complex stuff because you're you're really starting out from scratch. But there are some modules that um, are so super super powerful and. Uh, just pack so much functionality in within themselves. Um, an example of that would be the mutable instruments elements where it does, it has everything in it to be able to make sounds right away. Whereas um, something like if you wanted to do um, the super traditional route, you would have to buy an oscillator uh, envelope generator and um, a VCA, and hopefully some filter in there. Um, so yeah, there's, like, if you want to do, each module has a separate functionality, you need at least four or five to get pretty much any, just like a monophonic sound out of it. Um, and a lot of people do go for um, just running audio through some of the just processing modules. So they'll take an output from... Pro Tools or whatever, and just have a Eurorack module that does fun, like weird um, tape looping or uh, like oh, or cool. digital tape looping, um, or um, yeah, just sampling modules, sequencing modules, and just use that for the processing end. There's a lot of modules that do the processing thing that are super weird, and like there's nothing else out in the market that does stuff like that. Um, and you could outs. definitely yeah. just use that with you know, uh, like going out of Pro Tools, going through your rack and back into Pro Tools if you wanted to. Um, so yeah, it's it's up to what you want to do. 
And then, like, what are we talking in terms of price? Is this stuff comparable to 500 series modules? So if I'm looking at, if I need four modules for a basic monosynth, are we talking $1,000 or? 700 if you're really crafty and $1,000. But if you get um, kits, it definitely decreases the price. The kits cost about like 100 bucks each. And so in the end, it does add up for sure. Mm -hmm. And you you don't even realize it while you're doing it because you just buy one module whenever you get your paycheck or whatever. And then you end up growing this huge system. But I think um, in comparison to 500 series, it's definitely a little bit cheaper. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Yeah, I guess it it seems like the the front panels are thinner and it's not balanced. So that's some... There, you wouldn't find transformers in there and stuff. So I guess that makes sense that it would be a bit cheaper. Yeah, there's a lot of compromises uh, in quality for sure. Almost everything is surface mount and unbalanced, and you know, not a ton of protection for uh, for the power supply. But usually, this is your sound source, and it's not like right. your last step in your processing or whatever. So it's fine if there's a noise floor in there with your sound source. And it's not like you're going to have mic level signals right. or anything really sensitive like that. Yeah, the the Eurac synth level is super loud. Yeah. So. <laughs> and and I guess it's no different than any other integrated synth or instrument that you would buy with unbalanced outs. Yeah. Right. Um, awesome. Well, I think that's that's super helpful. Thanks so much for, for talking and giving us a rundown. Yeah, for sure.